this show, they cover the biggest news stories, give their fact-based opinions, and interview many great people from all over the fruited plains. These stories and experiences are what make up the fabric of this great country. This isn't just any show. This is the Matt and Chan Show. Now, live from Fresno, California, here are your hosts, Matt and Chan. Welcome back to the Matt and Chan Show. We are in the studio for the first time in five months. Welcome back, Chandler. Matt, I'm here, and I'm sure everybody can hear the massive difference in audio quality. So good to be in studio with you, in person. This isn't over Zoom. Um, We're both healthy. We're not going to be spreading the virus to each other. So I'm really excited to sit down. We're going to talk about the RNC. Um, But real quick before we do, first week of school uh, just ended, senior year of college. Uh, How was it for you? Um, I just got to say, it was very mentally draining, like like with everything going on, being on Zoom for four or five, six hours a day is not the move, I would say. Um, how about you, Cham? Uh, totally relatable, and I made a big mistake. I was trying to uh, work and take classes, uh, like like my boss was really uh, cool about it, and he said, oh yeah, um, like we have this a lot of stuff to do, and uh, I had classes throughout the day, and he said, like, yeah, when you need to go to class, just like log on to your class and do that, and then come back to work, and Man, like it was good. The work needed to get done. It's for a school that's uh, that needs to get devices to their students. So uh, I was all for that, like, uh, and make a little money. But oh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I get to just be a student now. And 18 units as it is, it's it's a lot, a big load. Yep. And for your guys's information, since I've known Chandler, he never takes less than 17 units. It's always more. It's 17, 18, 19, 20 units. Incredible. I don't know, Chandler. I, Dude, I'm like, wow, I'm doing 14 right now. I'm enjoying it right now. The living the life, right? Senior year, so. Yeah, well, hey, I'm, I'm graduating this semester early, so, like, hard work pays off, but uh, maybe I, I robbed myself a little bit of uh, some of the college experience by that. But anyways, enough about uh, our, our busy school lives. Yep. Do you have something else to add? And I just have to add, this was unintentional before the show, but I had to say we both wore our alma maters, navy blue polo. And for the people watching YouTube, you guys can see it right here. We've got the navy polos, and then we have the gray shorts, which is even funnier because he shows up and I'm like, Oh, well, I'm probably not going to have to change for the show now. So if you guys are listening to it, go check it out on YouTube. Go like and subscribe. If you financially can't help the podcast, those like and subscribe help us go up in the ratings and help us grow our podcast. So appreciate all the support there. So we're going to hop in. I know you guys, we are a little late to the game on this. I apologize. And we had the RNC this week. And you could tell we we're both students. We're both working. We're doing everything. He's training. We're So you know the vibe. Um but the RNC was this week. Chandler, what were some of your first impressions before we get into the thick of it? Yeah, so I definitely had some thoughts. First of all, so much better than the DNC, so much more professional, um, really valued America, American values, uh, whereas the, the DNC did not. Uh, I think one, one negative is the RNC was a bit lackluster, uh, and that's something that a lot of the media is pointing out as a negative um, like, oh, so low energy, Trump always blaming Biden of being low energy. And here, here this uh, DNC was uh, a bit lackluster, except for the, the final night uh, with the fireworks show. Uh, I, I rather enjoyed that. I thought that was pretty cool. That must have been a very expensive fireworks show. Uh, but uh, it was cool. Uh, yeah. Thoughts, Matt? I honestly, like compared to the DNC, of course, it was, it was blown out of the water. And I, I think even with partisan differences, like you said, professional. There's a lot of energy. 
and honestly, I didn't think it was as lackluster. I think the, the, the strength of this convention was in the stories. And I know, Chandler, I know there were some speeches you missed out on, and I hope to get some first reactions to them as well and, and really, like, really get in depth because there was 16 hours of televised RNC and then everything else was on YouTube. So it was like hard to keep up with everything, especially if you're busy. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good. I think you're going to be excited. I know Chandler seen, hasn't seen some stuff yet. So I'm going <laughs> to, Here, here's our clickbait title. Chandler Maceo reacts to RNC video clips. So uh, hey, there you go. Uh, maybe, yep. maybe we'll clip some of these out and get my uh, reactions for you guys. So I'm really excited to uh, hear some of these and, and, and overall, I, I really enjoyed the speeches that I did here and uh, uh, thought it was a good convention. It, it could have been more, but maybe it was the right thing for the current climate um, in America and uh, noting the seriousness of this uh, 2020 election. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with that. And it's not in person, which we did see some people the last few nights, but we'll, we'll get into that. And just before we get into the RNC, I just want to do some recent stuff that we've had here in the past 24 hours. We've seen big things. Trump going up in the polls. Joe Biden leaving his basement because the polls are changing. So he came out, he's doing Skype calls, and now they're having to address the violence in these, in these cities that they didn't address at the convention. And now, all of a sudden, the Democrats are changing their game plan. They're getting more active. Kamala Harris is coming out, Joe Biden. And I think they've hit a point now where Joe Biden cannot stay in the basement anymore. He can't be hanging out, doing nothing. He's going to have to come out and show that he's a leader because the American people want a leader through these tough times. And I think we're seeing that. We saw six Minnesota mayors come out and endorse Donald J. Trump for president. That is big news, folks. And it only goes to show you what the, D what the RNC did and the DNC did it for each of those uh, events. And I think they were going to go through it. And I think that's just showing some strength. Um, Trump's at 46% in the Rasmussen poll for likely voters, 52 disapproval. And Rasmussen, as people know, was the most accurate leading, leading into the 2016 election. So, yeah, it's going to be good. And we're seeing some movements already. So you ready to hop into this, Chandler? Yeah, let's jump into it. Cool. Um, so we're going to hop into it. And the first, the theme was heroes, American heroes, land of heroes was the first thing. Chandler, to you, what makes a hero? Yeah, so, so what makes a hero is somebody who is um, willing to give of themselves for the betterment of those around them. America is a land of heroes. Um, you, you can trace back to our founding, uh, great, great Americans such as George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Many people who fought to create our nation, fought to make our, our nation a more equitable place, um, to, to end slavery, to end Jim Crow, two of the, the biggest blights on American history, which, which we're not going to deny by any means. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there weren't fantastic heroes. And then today, heroes are people who stand up for what's true, stand up for what's right, um, are willing, again, to, to lay down their lives for uh, their communities, for uh, for their country. So yeah, uh, I, I think that's a great question. Uh, would you like to give your thoughts on, on what determines a hero? Yeah, and I think it would be, like you said, the sacrificial part of a person. And that can be in everyday life. We see the sacrificial of our, the sacrifices that our soldiers make overseas and they're giving their life. You look at the beginning of our country, the sacrifice to even get this country started, the sacrifice to go, okay, we are going to change this. We're not going to be submissive to the British crown. We're not going to be stuck in this, in this 
colonies and being overtaxed. I mean, you saw right there the sacrifice to start this country. Like, that was not an easy task, especially against an army that was already built up. We got a whole bunch of people, and, and we did it. And we founded this country on the ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think those are the ideals that we strive for. And I think the closer we get to the Constitution, the more we are free. And, and like we said, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness cannot like emphasize that enough. And I think that's a hero. I think somebody that's willing to fight for the people that maybe don't have a voice and giving voice to the people that are voiceless. I think those are the big things that I see in a hero. Chandler, just to follow up with that. Who is somebody in your life or people in your life that you see as heroes? Yeah, so I didn't prepare for this at all. So definitely you're springing it on me a, a bit, which which I appreciate because this will be an honest answer. Um, the first thing, I'll give something maybe like less of a personal example and then more of a personal example. Um, recently, I think a, a great example of a hero is David Dorn, the off, the, the retired officer who was, uh, was killed during one of the uh, quote-unquote peaceful protests. Uh, mostly peaceful, right? Mostly peaceful other than the, the death and destruction. Um, I think Officer David Dorn, he was uh, someone who was willing to uh, to give his life, weigh it down on, on the line um, for his community every day. Um, he's, uh, yeah, somebody who rightfully so has been treated as a, a hero in our nation for the last uh, uh, few weeks since his passing and uh, should have been his entire life, you know, from everything I've heard what an incredible man. Um, in my life, uh, you know, I, this is kind of uh, cliche, but, uh, you know, my parents are, are obviously heroes to me. Uh, just like they're, uh, they're giving to make a, a great life for me, uh, but also to help uh, their community. My mom's a, a teacher and educator. Um, you know, what, what she does uh, impacts the lives of so many people. Uh, and, and so, you know, like, not everything's career oriented. Uh, extremely thankful for uh, for my parents and and their modeling of what it means to uh, to be a hero and hopefully uh, allow me to step into that role. I think that's a, a good point too. Uh, is like um, being a land of heroes, America being a land of heroes. That's not limited to uh, extraordinary acts. I think there's like ordinary uh, heroism, and uh, I think that's something we can all attain to. So. Uh, Matt, your thoughts? You kind of threw me a curveball there for a second, too, because you said more of a recent hero, and I've had the opportunity and the blessing to work on the Kevin Cookingham campaign, and he, at the age of 61, decided to run against Jim Costa for the 16th District, and literally Fresno has my heart. It's been my home. It's where I grew up. I was where I was born, and to see this man so driven, the campaign, and just seeing all these people that want a better life for their kids and their family, each week I work with people that are like, hey, I just want a better life for my kids. That's what I want to see. I want a safer city. I want to see my city prosper. I want to see people happy. I want to see people safe. And I think that's something that he's fighting for. And I think he will fight. And I hopefully he is elected. I He is a godly man and he is ready to fight for the city. And that's somebody recently that I'd have to say is a hero because he doesn't have to do this. He could go and retire. He worked for Clovis Unified for 25 years. He did ministry. He's poured his life out to everybody his whole life. He's done all these great things he's done missionary work all around the world and he has a chance to sit back and retire but he says i'm gonna run for office and he's not gonna do anything small he's like i'm going for the house of representatives to hopefully bring these christian these judeo-christian values back to our country and to get morals back into our country so he's a hero recently 
And then, like you said, a little cliche, but my parents, mm -hmm. they showed me two different paths. They showed me the path of um, going to college, and they showed me the path of not going to college, and you can work and do well in either or in every element. And just my dad being an entrepreneur in these recent years, and my mom taking the education route, which I go into Fresno Pacific, getting that four-year degree and possibly stuff. So they were both big inspirations in my life, and I think, if anything, they kind of gave me my roots. They gave me my roots that I needed to be successful in my life. It's very important. So like Chandler said, Land of Heroes, we're going to open up with a Matt Gates clip. He do kind it. of does a little intro part. He was one of the first speakers of the night, and Charlie Kirk and some of these others. But we're going to play a little small clip from him, and he just describes what are what is the Land of Heroes and, and about America here. Donald Trump, like all builders, is a visionary. That which is built in the mind is even more powerful than the brick and mortar that holds it together. First comes the mind, then the making. First comes the vision, then the work. Washington, Lincoln, and Jefferson are immortal precisely because of the pull they have on our imagination. You cannot cancel a culture that loves its heroes. So right there, I forgot to mention that Donald Trump was going to be in there, and we see what he's done for this country. And another guy didn't have to be president, didn't mm -hmm. have to run, didn't have to take time and just just effort, all the effort that goes into running president. What are your thoughts on this? He, t he brings up Lincoln. He brings, he brings that up there. And yeah. Yeah. You know, Gates was really highlighting some of uh, the great American heroes, some of whom I mentioned. And um, I think, I mean, briefly, uh, a, a tangential thought that came into my mind is like, uh, the tearing down of these statues that, that has stopped and, and Trump addressed that, that he said, oh, all he said was, uh, we'll, we'll uh, make it 10 years in jail if you tear down a statue and look at that magically, uh, all the, that stopped. And, um, but anyways, our, our history is really important and being able to look back on these great heroes of America. Um, and, and that's, I think, ultimately important. If you don't have uh, something to aspire to, something to look up to, uh, like you were saying earlier, Matt, like uh, these ideals of uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that all men are created equal, um, and and have this uh, this equal opportunity to uh, achieve to success, um, whether or not everybody takes it or gets all the breaks, that's uh, that's completely different. But uh, yeah, this uh, incredible founding and this incredible um, these incredible ideals to aspire to are. Um, they're they're inseparable from american culture yeah and i and i think we have to continue to fight for them each and every day and the reason why we do this podcast it's not we don't do it out there to get this glory from doing the podcast we do it because we want to help educate and fill a void that we're missing here in our classrooms and our education systems because they're being left out you're not seeing it on campuses you're seeing them left out and we're focusing on what divides us versus what keeps us together and i think that's a really important thing and so one of the heroes I thought from the night, and I'm going to go to another person running for office, and I thought that was Kim Klasik. Mm -hmm. She's running in Maryland for the 17th District, and I have a clip here. Um, she followed Matt Gates directly right after, and she talks about why she's running um, and why the Democrat cities, what, 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 are, what is happening in Democrat cities, the violence, the crime, and the, the poor living conditions we're seeing. And she highlights that really well here. Here's our second clip. running for Congress in Maryland's 7th District. And like Shirley Chisholm, I'm unbought and unbought. 
Let me remind you, the Democrats have controlled this part of Baltimore City for over 50 years. And they have run this beautiful place. Oh, oh I guess it cut off. Um, but she says they run this place into the ground. Um, and we continue to vote Democrats in our cities. And we've seen what it's done to half of Fresno um, and seen what it's done to our city surrounding. Um, and I wanted to bring up some statistics here is you always hear Donald Trump mention the top 20 cities are Democrat-run cities, and they are some of the most high-in-crime high cities, some of the, poor, the most poorly-run cities across the board. Um, and I'm going to pull that up. So the Washington Post, Chandler, put out an article that said, Trump's wrong. Fact nope. check. Fact check. He's actually he's, he's wrong. But he's actually mostly right here, which I think is kind of funny. But I pulled it up before the show. So saw, it shows the cities with the most violent crime. You have New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, etc. But it goes... There's one. There's one city that's Democrat, that's not or not Democrat run, and that's uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. And then, um, and then you look, and then there's one more. There's two more independents. So you have San Antonio, and Las Vegas. Oh, Trump's so wrong. Yeah, he, Trump. Trump's he, wrong. He uh, he only got the the ninety percent right there instead of the hundred percent. So can't have that. We have to do all of our journalizing. Uh, whatever uh, they're trying to do over at CNN. So, yeah. um, yep, Washington Post here. Or, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Washington Post. So, my, yeah, my bad. Jeff Bezos, uh, the owner yes. of Amazon, who owns that newspaper. And thank you and for, yeah, 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 yeah. for that correction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Ridiculous. And, so we've seen the destruction of Democrat cities, and we've seen the policies that we see implemented. California has been very radical in these policies. They propose Medicare for all. They just wanted to continue to tax pretty much people. And as we say, taxation is theft at Turning Point USA. And it's one of those things that we see socialist policies being implemented. They are now commonplace. A year ago, we talked about it. Very radical. Now we're voting mm -hmm. on that. We are coming to November 3rd. But actually, it's not even November 3rd. California, October 5th, ballots go out. So it is important that you make sure you get your ballot and get in as soon as possible. This election might be delayed for a while. So it's very important. But that kind of what I wanted to get into was socialism. Maximo Alvarez, he saw the horrors of socialism up in personal. And I think a lot of people saw this speech and it was a very emotional speech, but he talks about pretty much what socialism was and then leaving and fleeing Cuba, his father telling him, and then him seeing it in the United States, these promises. We have a clip here that talks about the horrors of socialism, and he gives his first account here. For the benefit of all Americans, I'm speaking to you today because I have seen people like this before. I've seen movements like this before. I've seen ideas like this before. And I am here to tell you, we cannot let them take over our country. I heard the promises of Fidel Castro. And I can never forget all those who grew up around me, who look like me, who suffered and starved and died because they believed those empty promises. They swallowed the communist poison pill. Do you have a chance? We have a chance. That's what he continues, and he continues to go about the promises, the empty promises of socialist policies, the Medicare for all, college tuition paid off. It sounds nice. 
sounds nice. And and Chandler, I'm gonna give you your the quick fire response here after seeing some of this. Yeah, you know, instantly what that reminds me of, and and Matt and I are both Thomas Sowell fans. Uh, go check him out if you aren't familiar with who he is. A great economist. Um, and and he said you, uh, and and I might be butchering this quote a little bit, but this is the essence. Uh, you judge a policy not by its intentions, but by its outcomes. And um, I, I don't know if we can uh, in good conscience say that uh, communism has good intentions, but to, to some people they see, see it as good intentions. But if you look at the outcomes, if you look at how it played out in Cuba, if you look at how it played out in Venezuela, in, uh, in the Soviet Union, in China, in North Korea, you know, these, these communist or, or very uh, heavily, heavily state-centered uh, socialist regimes um, it doesn't work. Like straight up, it doesn't work. Um, and we don't need to, uh, make the American experiment into another one of these failed communist experiments. It would be a bad idea for America. And, uh, it, it would really hurt not just Americans, you know, uh, people, uh, accuse Americans of being selfish, uh, like and, and thinking only about themselves. And I think there's probably a, a strong degree of truth there. But, um, you know, America does a lot of good for the world, um, just in, in terms of keeping peace and, and in humanitarian aid. And if you uh, destroy America, you really destroy a, a beacon of light and a beacon of hope in the world. And actually, that alludes to a later speech, which we'll hear later with Ben Carson. He mentions that in absolutely. In yeah. So, yeah. And I think one of the things is what we see is with socialism is it's very it's pretty much the opposite of everything that we stand for as americans it's really a complete opposite we we talk about things like religious freedom here in america carl mm-hmm. marx's and the communist manifesto that's literally he he calls religion the opiate of the people and at some point it's it's literally turn, turn, turning the perspective to material things and things of this world and that goes into the biblical stuff that we learn here in the bible that answers a lot of life's questions, if not all of them, and and it's and it's one of those things that we see taken out when you have socialism implemented and eventually communism. And we talk about the taxation of stuff. No, it is taxation of stuff. Like, and this is where I think we got to relate it back to people that are listening that are our age. I always relate it back to something like, hey, you're going out to a store, and you go to a store and you see all the unlimited things, the the different things, the variety. You have a choice, and that could be clothing shoes grocery store like you go there and you have all these things that doesn't happen Chandler what would what would a grocery store or one of these stores look like if if it was just a a socialist country you know obviously I haven't uh lived through a social being in a socialist country or communist country and, and praise God for that um but you hear these accounts of people who have and it's if you want toothpaste there's there's state issued toothpaste if you want beans, there's state-issued beans, and you better hope you were early enough in line, uh, and often because you knew the right people, if you wanted to get your your uh, your beans. Like, it's not an effective system at all, uh, and we take for granted so much, and, and I know I do. Um, like, you know, you walk down the cereal aisle, not only are there so many different types of cereal, there are so many different brands of the exact same cereal. And, and like, you know, you buy the generic one and save some money or, or buy the, the name brand one and get a little better taste. Hot take there. 
Yeah, um, no, you're, you're, I think you're right there, and I think we 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 are privileged as Americans. And Absolutely. I think, and I think, and then on the on the clothing, think about if you could only choose between black and white, or yeah. like for the colors, like that's all you could wear. And we look at books like 1984. You have 1984 that shows the Big Brother watching, and the Newspeak, and everything that's in that book that talks about what government. If we had complete government control and how his journey throughout the story. And how he ultimately falls victim to pretty much this culture that has surrounded us. And we are seeing it right now on our college campuses. And as Charlie Kirk says, what happens on the college campuses now will happen in the halls of Congress. So we have to be very careful on what we're promoting on our college campuses. And hopefully it's more more freedom and more liberty for people to choose what they want to do in this country. So... I think we have to, we we have to be careful when we start going. Oh yeah, well this sounds good. This this is free. Like no, <laughs> everything has a cost. Nothing is free. And as as much as it would be nice to have some of this debt come back, I'm being honest, right? I it's you got thousands of dollars in debt, college students. It's like hey, yeah, that'd be kind of nice to have some of that money back. Yeah, of course. Um, but in the long run, it's not going to be good for our country, and it's not going to be good for people. So. Yep. We're going to hop into day two. I know we're kind of doing this, like, kind of our highlights of each day. And this is the land of promise, originally from George Washington, 1785. It was where the expression came from, the land of promise, America. Um, and a lot of it goes back to the promise of economic growth. And I think you'd have to say all the people that have come to the United States since, since our countries began, that have immigrated to our country to have better life and better opportunities. Mm-hmm. And the first one, we're going to bring up the speakers of the day. And I just want to, we are just going to show you pretty much, um, we don't have the clip from when Nicholas Sandman, and most people know the story, of uh, the, the Covington Catholic kid, Nicholas Sandman, and pretty much CNN totally ignored anything and all of the facts from the story. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hearing somebody said that, uh, are you talking about the original incident or about the uh, the speech recently? No, no, the incident. If you want to mention, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. well, yeah, the original incident. I mean, was was obviously terrible. And and for those who don't know, uh, Sandman uh, did settle. Uh, I, I don't know if we get to know the exact number, but I heard around eighty million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of money. Don't yeah. don't fact check us on that. I'm <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and it might not even be really publicly uh, or publicly known, but uh, that's the number I've heard thrown around is roughly eighty million, maybe eighty two, something like that. But yeah. Uh, go look that up for yourself. Sorry, we don't have that right in front of us. But um, yeah, they they slandered him and and he sued and and won. And you know what I thought was so funny was that uh, when you're watching it, and I watched kind of like the the CNN clips around his, uh, uh, and what you saw is like you know they were giving their commentary and like all, all of what they hated about uh, all these different speakers. Nick Sandman uh, stands up there and he says his whole speech and they're just silent, you know because. Here's this kid who uh, who sued them and won. It's like uh, like he he's untouchable now. And like he's you know with with all due respect to him, he's not like that special, right? Like he he's just this this kid. He was at the the March for Life and um and got involved in this incident and and had his name raked through the mud by CNN and and became this hero of the right uh, somehow, which which you know is pretty cool i just i just have to say is i think this is like one of the best owns on cnn ever not only and i'm not going to take credit for this because i saw this on twitter is he was on cnn 
doing a speech about CNN, making money from CNN, and they have to let it happen. They're letting this air. And then he, and beautiful. then at the end, I think it was beautiful. And I think this is what we have to look at. I think for this election is, we are going to stand strong. We are going to stand where we are, and you're not going to put us like literally. I, I, it's we are not going to go down easy. And I think conservatives, the silent majority, is waking up. And he puts that. He goes, and at the end of the speech, he goes, "We're going to make America great again." And he puts the hat on, the very hat that oh, striked the incident. Yes. And he explains throughout the story. We're going to play a little clip here in a sec. They were saying, yeah, they just did not, they ignored the facts. And after they got the footage, he said, all right, guys, we're good. And CNN ran with that. No facts, no evidence, nothing. They just ran with it all on TV. And they pretty much slandered and started the literally, I think, a lot of what we see now in cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And he talks about here about being canceled. Here's a little clip of Nicholas Sam. Happening to me had a name. It was called being canceled. As in annulled, as in revoked, as in made void. Cancelled is what's happening to people around this country who refuse to be silenced by the far left. Many are being fired, humiliated, or even threatened. Yeah, that's the, the world that, that we've entered. And uh, I think that the idea here is with this this falling on like the land of promise night is um America's a land of promise where you can can think what you want to think and believe what you want to believe. Uh, you know, that, that free speech is something that we value, uh, you know, written into our, our constitution through the First Amendment where you can, you have the right to, um, to, uh, to print the words that you want to print and, and publish, uh, the right to uh, assemble, the right to um, say what you want to say, and, and then, of course, the right to uh, gather uh, for religious uh, services and, and for religious purposes. So, um, and, and you can't get canceled for that. That's the part of the American promise. Um, and that's what makes this the land of promise. And, you know, this runs completely opposite of what the Democrats believe. It's that that, you know, the Democrats believe in this idea of, uh, of wrong think, right? The, if you if you are um, believing something that they don't agree with, even if you're on their side, right? If you if yeah. you're on their side, but you say the wrong words or or believe, if you have your own thoughts, right? If you yeah. it's uh, this religious extremism of the left of the political left, yeah. um, and you know I I love that Sandman gave that speech. I love that he put the the MAGA hat on at the end. I thought that was a, a nice touch. It was it was one of the more theatrical moments that I noticed and, and was really well executed. Um, uh, but he's highlighting that, yes, at least according to Republicans, and at one point, this was like an, an American ideal. This wasn't a debatable topic that there's free speech and that uh, you you won't be canceled for saying something, even if it's something controversial. Like, like uh, you know, we're seeing all these uh, um, sports figures, uh, like the, the NBA kind of doing their their boycott thing for Black Lives Matter. Guess what? They have the right to do that. And like like we're not going to cancel them for that. Now we might not like tune into the NBA anymore. Yeah. Um or or you know, they might not get as much business uh if people disagree with them. But that doesn't mean they're canceled. Yep. They're free to say whatever they want to say and um it's the beautiful thing of our, our nation sorry I, I rambled a little long on that no, i think you made a great point there and i think people are getting canceled for what they believe in but it's like no our, our country was based on having that that be able to have that freedom of expression to be able to go 
this is me, this is who, and this is my libertarian side. Be who you want to be in this country. Go and chase what you want to do. If you have a dream, go and chase it. It's it's not about this. Everybody is so judgmental now, and I and literally I think with the Zoom classes and social media, it is literally a job to be on on social networks now. And and you look at it, and you look at the comments. And I was listening to Pints with Aquinas this morning. Yes, um, great podcast. Yeah, I give a shout out. I know we, they're not a sponsor. We don't have any relation with them, but I think it was a great, great podcast. I was listening to. I still haven't listened to it. And they were, and it was really, really good because they were talking about like argumentation and stuff. And I think they made some really great points because we often so fast want to like we just want to one up the next person. We're like, yes, I got it. Let's go. Come on. Let's. I want. I want to beat the person. But I just thought there were some good things in there, some stuff, and I think we should maybe do an episode later on it, uh, maybe doing our own perspective on that. It was just things like, don't go in trying to one-up your opponent. Don't go in trying to use straw man arguments to, like, stuff that's not going to hold up, like stuff that you're just going to kind of, or any or if it's a bad resource and and you're just trying to get your point across, but you know it's bad, but you're still going to use it anyway. It's just like, but hearing the other person out. You have to hear the other person out because. That's not how we're going to be more united as a country. If we go, I hate you and you hate me, we're not going to get anywhere in this country. And that's not what this country is about. It's e pluribus unum, united as one. That is our country. It's the, the fabric of our country. And I think in our intro, it's like we have these stories. That's our country right there. And they're all interlinked as people. We're, we're interlinked here. And I think we got to get back to that. And we have to listen to other people. And we have to go back. It's like treat your neighbor as you would, it's like it's. We have to get back to these. It's these fundamentals, and I think we don't see enough of it now. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna go into the next next thing. This one literally hit me in the gut because not only did it like make you really think about this procedure, it really makes you think about where you stand on a lot of these issues, um, especially being pro life, being a Catholic. And that's where I'm coming from in my perspective and a lot of people being pro-choice and the Democrats standing on a platform that allows third trimester abortions and up to nine months and then after birth as well, where the doctors are deciding if they're going to kill the baby or not, murder. Um, and this is something very, very destructive. We see almost three to 4,000 abortions a day in the United States. And I think it, for the statistic from the Gutmaker or Gutmaker Institute, 2014, so there was 926,000, uh, pretty much 2,500 abortions a day in this country, and it really just makes your heart hurt when you're thinking about these. Are, these are individuals. These are people that you see as friends, um, and you just really think about it each day. Really look at your morality, your life. You have a blessing to be living, and that gets taken away from somebody that doesn't even have a voice. So it really, really hits close to home, and then when you see people suffer from the trauma of those experiences. Um, I don't think Chandler has heard this speech yet, so this is going to be a reaction speech. Um, Chandler Macy, reacts. Yeah, that's going to be the... the but I, I really... I, this one's going to be a little longer than our other clips because it was really good. And I spent eight years working for Planned Parenthood, but today I'm a pro-life activist. When I was in college, Planned Parenthood approached me at a volunteer fair. They talked about helping women in crisis and their commitment to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. 
I was convinced to volunteer and later offered a full-time job as a medical assistant before my promotion to director of the clinic. I truly believed I was helping women, but things drastically changed in 2009. In April, I was awarded Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award and invited to their annual gala where they present the Margaret Sanger Award, named for their founder. And Margaret Sanger was a racist who believed in eugenics. Her goal when founding Planned Parenthood was to eradicate the minority population. Today, almost 80% of Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are strategically located in minority neighborhoods. And every year, Planned Parenthood celebrates its racist roots by presenting the Margaret Sanger Award. Later in August, my supervisor assigned me a new quota to meet, an abortion quota. I was expected to sell double the abortions performed the previous year. When I pushed back, underscoring Planned Parenthood's public-facing goal of decreasing abortions, I was reprimanded and told, abortion is how we make our money. But the tipping point came a month later when a physician asked me to assist with an ultrasound-guided abortion. Nothing prepared me for what I saw on the screen. An unborn baby fighting back, desperate to move away from the suction. And I'll never forget what the doctor said next. Beam me up, Scotty. The last thing I saw was a spine twirling around in the mother's womb before succumbing to the force of the suction. On October 6th, I left the clinic. And she kind of goes in there and talks about the importance of being a pro-life activist now. But that was really graphic there, right there. So any any first thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, gut-wrenching. on In several, uh, several levels, you know, it's... Uh, uh, her first big point about Margaret Sanger being a uh, a racist and, and pushing eugenics, and I think that's fairly well known, even though a lot of people on the left will deny that, or they'll at, at least underscore it. Um, you know, I, I typically don't see America as a systemically racist country. Um, Planned Parenthood is, is an exception to that. I think Planned Parenthood uh, operates under this racist model that uh, Margaret Sanger laid forward. Um, and I think you still see that with the disproportionate number of uh, minority uh, uh, children are killed by Planned Parenthood every year. Um, and, and then obviously her, her graphic uh, example of, of that specific type of abortion being uh, performed is just, yeah, gut-wrenching. And yeah, there's, there's no real words for how terrible that is. And, you know, that's a... a common or, or or perhaps the most effective way of changing people's minds on the abortion issue is describing the abortion procedure. Um, I've seen some statistics on this. There may be other more effective ways, but it's certainly up there. Um, most people, when they, they think, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just this simple medical procedure. It's like, uh, get in, get out, have your abortion. You know, the, the left is trying to push all these like... Abortion on demand. Yeah, abortion on demand. It, like in media like oh abortion's fun or, or celebrate your abortion are you kidding me that's such a disgusting attitude um did you see that new um 
I think it's a Hulu. Uh, oh yeah, uh, show. Yeah, it's um, supposed to show like I think it's Hulu or Netflix, and yeah, I just it, saw this recently that celebrates like abortion. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to plan to watch that, but I saw <laughs> the I, yeah. promotional stuff online for that, and I like we said like three to four thousand abortions daily that could be joining our society, and you hear the left talking about overpopulation, and then um, Brookings. Um, they went out and did a research study that says that three to three hundred to five hundred thousand people, or five hundred people, will be born this year because of COVID nineteen. And they compared that to the Great Recession and uh, the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu. So it's going to be, I think, a big thing. Um, they're talking about a baby boom to come, but at the same time, all these abortions that are happening daily uh, miss all of this and the life that we're losing. Yeah, yeah. and look, here's the deal. You might hate Trump. You might hate his immigration policies, his uh, his spending policies, his uh, his foreign affairs policies. But if you value unborn human life, you have to vote Republican. You have to vote for Trump. Uh, this has somehow become a partisan issue. Um, I think this should not be a partisan issue. This should be a we all agree that abortion is wrong. Um, but it, but it is, um, uh, and if you vote Democrat, you are voting for abortion, um, and and I don't know how you how you can be okay with that. Uh, again, you can hate everything else about Donald Trump. I don't like a lot of things about Trump. I think he's uh, abrasive and uh, uh, tends to to have uh, his his problems with like some foreign interactions and and isn't always the most effective communicator. Um, but if, but I agree with him on, on most issues, obviously I'm a a supporter, but, uh, if you disagree with him on everything else, ex uh, except abortion, if you're pro-life, you have to vote for Trump on November 3rd. Like it's a non-starter. Yeah. And and especially since a lot of our country, people are Christian and Catholic and there's still, we have people that are, I've seen chapters started on college campuses, Catholics for pro-choice. Or Catholics for abortion, sad, and those are going against every fundamental belief, um, and you're taking away life of somebody that doesn't have a voice. So that is something that is huge, and I think hits hits home for sure. I think that's like because those are your friends, friends and family that aren't mm-hmm. being born, mm-hmm. and this and the fact that she even stayed eighty percent of Planned Parenthoods happen to be in minority neighborhoods. They never answer to that. They never there are questions about it, but there's never answers. Oh, it's it's easily accessible, and and all these things about it being um, a healthcare necessity. But you heard it you heard it there, first person. She had awards, the Margaret Sanger Award. It's right there. She said it in her speech. She got an award, and then they go, make sure to double it. It's like a, it's like a marketing campaign. Okay, we need to we need to sell abortions because that's where our money's coming from. Think about that. We're talking about babies here. We're talking about lives, and that's why I think people go. People really misinterpret and. And the rest of her speech, we didn't play at all, but she continues and she talks about that most Americans don't know the procedures that go with abortion, so it's hard to really even rationalize what it is. Like Chandler said, it's like a stop and go. And what the Democrat Party wants to do is they want abortion on demand. They want it on demand. They want you to be able to go to a store, pick up a pill, have the abortion. And that we're not going to get into details with that, but that's what they want for the future of this country. 
and and that doesn't even and you're thinking about that it just takes the responsibility away everything as conservatives and libertarians and everybody that has core values the individual responsibility away that's just it, it takes that all away you're just going around and it really degrades a lot of the morality in this country and people and it's really disastrous so we're going to move in melania trump spoke on day two as well and she talked i think she brings the grace and the elegance and it's and and i think we always we always say it as as your wife your significant other as the better half and i think we really need to see more of melania trump i think mm-hmm. i think melania trump she is she has all this elegance and and she and she just brings that she's very like the way she speaks it's all everything's very like gentle touch and it's very well spoken and she talked on issues that maybe donald trump doesn't touch on and people need to see that mm-hmm. but the thing is we don't think about it is people hate donald trump so much and this president and this administration's hated so much that melania trump and they don't even give her a chance but if she was democrat every single magazine would have melania trump on it Oh my gosh, Melania Trump this, Melania. And and we saw that with Michelle Obama. People love Michelle Obama. She has her own podcast now. People love, she's on every magazine. They made the Netflix deal. $50 million, I think, for the Obamas. They're living nice. They're living, yeah. living luxury. Martha's Vineyard, even though they talk about climate change. They're living it big. And back to Melania. So the first, first clip we're going to pull up is, we're, we're going to talk about is, I think she talks about her father, not her father, her husband as a... <laughs> That's something really, really bad. It's bad. Um, I don't know why I thought that. Um, here we go. We're going to play the first audio clip. Not a traditional politician. He doesn't just speak words. He demands action and he gets results. I urge people to come together in a civil manner so we can work and live up to our standard American ideals. Wow. And I think well said. I think that's really well said. Like even her and Donald Trump is, is he a politician? Would you say Chandler from the start of the race and everything? Everybody always they always try to like treat him like a politician. You know, I I see on your notes here, and and I think that's actually better okay. said than than what I was thinking. He's not a typical politician. He's um, I, I mean this sounds this is a political cliche. That he's oh a man of the people, uh, and and people are gonna say oh no he's he's way too rich to be a man of the people. He's a man of the people. Uh, you know he uh, even like when he you know you you look back at like when he was building uh, uh, these large buildings in various cities, uh, Trump Tower and the like. You know, uh, you read about him visiting these construction sites, talking not only with like the head architects and engineers, but with the men responsible for, you know, shoveling some dirt over here, sawing some wood over there, like, um, he likes to uh, interact with, with people at, at all levels, because I think he, he sees himself, rightfully so, as a, a man who, who is on all levels uh, simultaneously. He's uh, this humble worker and this successful CEO. Uh, he's uh, the average citizen and all the way up to the President of the United States. And and, you know, one critique of Trump is that he has a, a bit of an ego because he is at that top, those top levels in his mind, at least, if, if not in reality. But often in reality, he really is at those top levels. Um, but he, he, he's relatable all the way down to, uh, to the most average person. And, and that's what makes him not your typical politician. 
and I think we're going to get into the clip in the next one real quick um, in a sec, but I, I think I wanted to comment on that. We've always heard about Donald Trump is he always talks to the people, even the people that are just the janitor that's cleaning, because people don't understand. There's just always this misconception. The 1% is the only, are the only people that are happy. They're the only ones making the money. That is completely and an utter lie I've heard over and over again in this country. Those are your wealth creators. Those are your people that are giving jobs. And then the dream is that one day you're not signing the back of a check, but you're signing the front of the check. That is the American dream. And I think we have to get back to that work ethic. And, and we see it. It's like, I want to be successful. I'm going to chase after my dreams. Nobody's getting in the way, and I'm going to go and do that. And, it, and it, there's stories throughout the convention. I know we don't have time for all of the stories, but they talk about it. It's like, yeah, I was at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was at the top. Like, and we, we saw the, the rise and fall and then the comeback. That, that literally you hit the rock bottom. But in America, you have opportunities. People are willing to die to come to this country each and every day because we are at the most prosperous time ever. We have more opportunities than ever before. And under this president, we have more jobs and more everything than ever before. And even with COVID, our economy, our stock markets are hitting new highs. Businesses, even with COVID, are still doing business. They're still finding ways to survive, even though we've lost some and some are still struggling. My heart goes out to those people. But Donald Trump is the businessman. Like Chandler said, he's not your typical politician, but he is a businessman, and this country is a business. And I think, and it just goes back to his tone. I know, Chandler, I think you said one of the favorite things is maybe the communication factor is one of your things. When you're fighting the left each and every day, and you are attacked every day 24-7, of course you're going to fire back like that. Mm -hmm. Why? Totally. You were, think about it, if you were getting hated on by 150 million people every single day, do you think you'd probably be a little mad or at least agitated at times? Of course you would. And everybody has Twitter and everybody sent out those bad tweets. You're like, man, that's a little cringy. And we see it with the cancel culture. People put out stuff and you're like, why would they put that out? But it's, it's the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, and he has the technology. And we've seen it through the eras. We've seen like with, the, with FDR and doing the radio. We right, saw the fireside JFK. chats. Yeah, yeah, fireside chats. JFK with television, and now Trump, the new generation, the Twitter. iPhone, and Twitter. It's a way, and the next president's going to probably use Twitter, and, and the, whatever the next invention's going to be, the next invention where it's just going to be like an AirPod, and it has your phone all in the AirPod. I don't know. We're, <laughs> we're just spitballing here, but that's just what we're looking at, um, and and I think I want to I want to keep going. I know this is going to be a long show. I just feel like it, but I think the conversation's really good. I think we're we're gonna we're trying to do a lot of stuff in there in four, in four days. Yeah, we're we're covering four days of the RNC, which was dense in hopefully under like an hour and a half. So you know, hang with us. Uh, feel free to pause it between days and like pick up back. Uh, you know, uh, once we get through a day. So uh, yeah, we're still on the uh, America, the the land of opportunity. Well, actually, Chan, you actually said our next one. That was the land of promise, but we are next on to the land of opportunity. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so cool, cool. So we're going to start off right here. I know we're, it's been a long show so far. Like Chandler said, if you got to take some breaks, take some breaks. But we're giving four days of analysis all in one, and it's going to be some big stuff here. So um, next one we're going to go into is Rick uh, Grinnell, um, and he, does, he talks about um, a lot of the things that Trump's for, America first. And I think that's a big theme of the pretty much all of the policy with Donald Trump. And so we're going to pull a clip here. And I think this is really good because he outlines 
where does the power actually lie? And I think this is a really good one right here. That's the Democrats. Between surveillance, classifications, leaks, and puppet candidates, they never want the American people to know who's actually calling the shots. But with Donald Trump, you always know exactly who is in charge. Because the answer is you. What? You're in charge. What? What? We're in charge, right, Chan? It's awesome. And the, you know, somebody's going to take that and say, oh, well, he means that it's the Republicans who are in charge. Um, and, and I'd like to push back on that, you know, and, and say that who's in charge is the American people. Um, you know, whether or not your candidate was the one that was elected, hey, eventually there's going to be a Democrat in office again. And, you know, we might not like it, but like it's still it, it's an awesome thing that it's it's we, the American people who get to choose um, who's going to represent us uh, at, at various levels. Um, and yet certainly Donald Trump has, uh, you know, he, he ran on these certain mandates that he was going to, you know, reform immigration and, uh, um, you know, do the, these various things. Immigration was this big one, but that was, that's what came to mind. Um, but he's gone through and he's looked at what's important to the people. Uh, and he's going through and he's doing those things. And, and I think being a president for the people, he's done some things that aren't popular amongst, um, amongst Republicans, such as uh, 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 reform of our uh, criminal justice system and, and yep. getting some, uh, some people who, uh, uh, you know, needed a second chance, uh, that second chance. That, the First Step Act and, exactly. and the stuff that's not, people don't know about because the media doesn't report on it. And I, and I have to just say is we really got to look at Donald Trump, a politician that actually follows through on his promises. What? No, but no. <laughs> well, well, no, you're, you're exactly right, though. Yeah. Like, uh, more, more often than not, like, uh, I was listening to, I think it was probably uh, Ben Shapiro. Uh, the other day, and he was talking about how, like, all these Republican presidents say, oh, yeah, we're going to move the, the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, oh, we're going to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. And, and so many Republicans have said that before because they know that it's a, a popular issue amongst, uh, you know, especially uh, uh, the Christian and, and Jewish population here in America. Well, Donald Trump actually did it. And and he did it in spite of what his uh, his uh, foreign analysts uh, were saying and, and his advisors. Uh, he said like this is an important thing for our allies, Israel. Um, it's an important thing to the American people, and uh, we made it happen. Uh, and you know that's one of those things where instead of just having all these empty promises in order to get elected, which I'd I'd argue that he had a few things where like he could have been stronger in. Uh, and and maybe that's maybe the the plan the whole time was hey hopefully second term these things will I, get accomplished I think we'll see the different I think Certainly, second term yeah. yeah I think and what we saw with Barack Obama in that second term it was executive order executive order executive right. order I don't think hopefully we use Congress to take back I the agree. House this yes, fall I, I'm not and, a fan of executive orders exactly but when you have a party that does everything in their power to pretty much undermine our president and it's twenty four seven it's an attack presidential on the presidential the power of everything like we're we're literally like nancy pelosi we're talking about nancy pelosi who goes oh well joe biden uh 
I don't know if he should debate. And actually, I just want to pull up this audio clip real quick because because this is her and a presser right after. This is a day after the RNC. I didn't legitimize a conversation with him, nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States. Now I know that the Biden campaign thinks in a different way about. So. <laughs> Where I, and this is where I think it's interesting is I don't think Nancy, like Nancy Pelosi, she likes to disrupt things and do mm-hmm. things, but even Nancy Pelosi would be like, ah, no, I'm not going to legitimize Donald Trump as president. What? Yeah. Oh, and, and the idea that you can uh, cower away from a debate uh, right now is so ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I think in a debate, it seems pretty clear to me that, that Trump would dominate. Um, and that's probably the main reason why she would want to avoid that. But, um, yeah, I, I think if the American people don't see Donald Trump and Joe Biden on stage together, it's a very bad optic for Biden. Um, it shows that he's uh, cowardly and not willing to stand up to um, somebody who he disagrees with. And, and when you're president of the United States, a major part of your job is foreign relations and standing up to people who you disagree with. Um, or, or at very least being willing to sit down in the same room and, and you know, uh, and leave with either some compromise or some, uh, some firm resolution. And uh, if Biden fails to do that, I think he'll be uh, throwing away so many votes. Uh, you know, so I guess personally, maybe I'd like to see them not debate for that reason. But if they do debate, it'll look very good for Trump. So it's a, it's a win-win for the Trump campaign, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the campaign, even Joe Biden's campaign, and even, I think, Joe Biden, when they're not keeping him in his basement, but we're <laughs> seeing tactics change because they, for literally five months since the last time we did a show, the tactic has been, let's keep Biden away, let's keep him out of the public eye, because there was a while there for that every Friday we did the show. It's perfect timing. We get up in the morning... Oh, Joe, Joe Biden's on morning. Joe making another hiccup all of a sudden, another gaffe. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what? And then the campaign has to come out and later and tweet off and do everything. Because everything's pretty much run. Like, I think everything's run and he's just there. And, and Joe Biden didn't really mean that if you don't vote for him, you're not black. He just, like, it, it was an idea that he had, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, ig- ignore his words. Like, um, it, it's this idea, like... Uh, um, uh, believe me, not your own lying eyes. Like, uh, and so instead of having to always play that cover-up game, you're right. They've uh, and and this has become the meme on the right. Like they've locked him in his basement. Yeah. Um. I I saw this. Uh, you familiar with the Babylon Bee? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, conservative satirical site. For those of you who don't know, I saw this um, headline that they put out. Uh, Donald Trump graciously. Uh, um, is willing to uh, clean out the White House basement in the off chance that he loses, uh, you know, that oh way that way they could gosh. keep him in the, the White House basement. Obviously, guys, this is a meme. This is a joke. We don't actually think he's locked in his basement most of the time. We just don't know where he's actually locked most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and I know that's what I heard is I've heard things about him in his speech last week, which actually was a pretty good speech after all is but after it, but it was, we set the bar so low. It was so low. It was like, if he doesn't fall down, if he doesn't say, doesn't have another gap, it's a success. And he did that. He got up, he spoke. And I think it's just, it just shows it's like, they're literally just trying to get him, but a debate stage, no teleprompter, no written freeze done stuff. 
it's going to be hard for Joe Biden, I think, to even have a debate. Nancy Pelosi even said it, and I think this might be some of the tactic to play in. Oh, maybe we don't have to debate, even though the campaign said, yeah, we're going to debate. And and I think we're going to have debates, and I think Kamala Harris is going to debate uh, Mike Pence. And we saw some of the atrocities and some of the jokes that we saw last week. Very cringeworthy. If you guys go check it out, I they were doing this. Uh, the, the One of the people from Seinfeld, she was up there talking. I can't remember her name, but... She was, they were like, Mike Pumps? Because they were trying to play a joke off the Kamala Kamala, and it was really cringy if you guys could. That was, that was bad. I, I, I did see that. And, and you know, like, like I, I, the hypocrisy of the left here and, like, the pettiness of the left. Um, like, like, sure, you should pronounce uh, Kamala Harris's name right. But, you know, it's just a name. Uh, and, and, like, I wasn't offended that they mispronounced uh, Pence's name. Was, I just thought it was, like, a really <laughs> dumb joke. Like, like it wasn't funny. Maybe somebody on the left found it funny. If you found it funny, call in and let us know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it's just such a weird world. I think we should move on to uh, Kaylee McEnany unless you uh, have something I was, else to get I was to. Gonna, I was going to pull up the clip do, just do right it? in front of me right yeah, now. Well, I, just... well, I could keep riffing for a little longer. Do you yeah, have it up? No, right I, got, I got it up. Okay, I just, perfect. I just think we, we have to play it, and if, and please look it up after. It's even worse in person, but you'll you'll hear it. You'll hear it. It's, it's pretty good. Over to a great Democrat who will be with us throughout the evening. Between the two of us, we have 11 Emmys. How's that for math? One of my favorite actresses, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Hey, Julia. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. I'm so glad to see you. So what did you think about Kamala Harris's speech last night? It was tremendous. I was so happy for her. I know. Me too. She's fabulous. I cannot wait to see her debate our current vice president, Mika Pints. Or uh, is it Paints? It's pronounced Ponce, I believe. Oh, some kind of weird foreign name? Yeah, not very American-sounding. Yeah, that's what people are saying, strongly. Well, uh, thank you, Andrew, and please give my regards to the gang. I will. They're right in the next room. Have a great night, Julia. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, saw, uh, I, I saw this joke the other day. Mm. You know, uh, I feel like this is fitting for where the left has gone with, um, with humor. Um, you you should get a kick out of this one. I think um, you know it, the joke goes uh, when Amy Schumer was growing up, uh, everybody laughed at her when she said she wanted to be a comedian. Well, nobody's laughing now. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and you know, but they're they're serious about this, and this is a totally a tangent, and, and I'll be brief. Uh, but they're serious about this idea that um, comedy isn't supposed to be funny; it's supposed to make you think. Um, and and so that's what they were doing with that little bit on Mike Pence's name. It wasn't even supposed to be funny. It's supposed to make you think about how we need to value pronouncing uh, these different names and like get over yourselves. Yeah, and I think it's it just it's the comedy of the left. It's not funny. It, it just wasn't funny. I just think it was more awkward. Please watch the video. It's even it's even more awkward. It's just like wow, this is what we've gone to. All right, we got to keep rolling. I know we're we're going long. I know we've been saying this the whole time. Yep, yep. Let's move um, through. Kylie McEnany, um, we all know her, uh, White House press secretary. She comes up, and she actually gives a very very brave testimony. She comes up and talks about having a mastectomy and her struggles with her family and breast cancer and and having the operation and her being able to avoid getting or at least having giving her better chances. And I was like, oh my goodness, the fact that she came out and was very open with that. Um, 
and she I'm gonna play the clip that she talks about her daughter growing up and her responsibility of her as a mother to her daughter. Here's the clip. That means protecting America's future, a future President Trump will fight for, where our neighborhoods are protected, where life is sacred, where God is cherished, not taken out of our schools, removed from our pledge, and erased from our history. I want my daughter to grow up in President Donald J. Trump's America. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I'm, you know, since uh, Kaylee McEnany became the White House press secretary, I've really liked uh, her uh, her speeches, her responses, um, and and yeah, there there that uh, that clip about wanting her daughter to grow up in in Donald Trump's America, which, as we said earlier, is the the American people's America. It's it's highlighting all these things: this land of uh, of heroes, this land of freedom, this land of opportunity. Um, uh, it you know it, it has nothing to do with Trump himself, and, and I think that's what the left gets wrong a lot of the time is they think oh it's it's all about Trump. No, it, it's not about Trump at all, um, and, and he's the first one to say that. Um, you know that uh, I he had this quote the other day, and, and I I wish I would have noted where it was from, um, but he said uh, when when the left uh, is attacking me, they're not attacking the you know they're attacking you. I just happen to be in the way, yeah. um, and and he's right there. Uh, so you know when she says she wants her daughter to grow up in Trump's America, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Uh, it has everything to do with with the ideals that he's defending, um, that he's trying to conserve, and, and that he's trying to put forward. Um, and so I think that that leads well into uh, Mike Ponce's speech. Um, yep. <laughs> are, are we now supposed to mispronounce his name every time? Yep, I know, right? <laughs> All right. right. Yeah, on, on to Vice President Mike Pence's speech. Um, yes, Mike Ponce. All right, let's get into his speech. <laughs> and and this is some of the stuff that I pulled out. I pulled three quotes, and I, I think I'm just going to play them back to back to back just because I think we want to keep moving. I don't want to keep you guys here all day. It's really uh, special that you guys are be able to take the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It really means a lot. So the first one I thought, was really good for Mike Pence was his, he brought this reg in, the time for choosing into his speech here, and I think it was very excellent. And this was a very presidential speech, I felt like, for, for Mike Pence. It was very like, we're here for the American people, we're here. It was very like, not like a Trump, like even Trump, he was very collected in his speech, but Mike Pence, the way he just went about it, it was very, very presidential in nature is what it felt like. Yeah, he he's always been that too. Uh, he's kind of been the the more calm, more traditionally conservative uh, um, counterpart to Trump. So yeah, let's let's hear his speech. Okay. The American people know we don't have to choose between supporting law enforcement and standing with our African American neighbors to improve the quality of their lives, education, jobs, and safety. And from the first days of this administration, we've done both. And we will keep supporting law enforcement and keep supporting our African American and minority communities across this land for four more years. Yeah, and, and of course, record flow uh, unemployment for um, African Americans, for Latino Americans prior to uh, the coronavirus. So, uh, 
you know, he he's not just like saying this like, oh yeah, we we are uh, we're thinking of and caring about uh, um, our minority community. We're showing empathy, right? That was the the buzzword of the DNC. Um, that Joe Biden's so empathetic, he cares for you. Uh, the Trump administration actually brought about record low unemployment for uh, for African Americans, for Latino Americans, for women, you know, for for all these different categories, and um, and that's something that uh, should not be ignored. Yep. And and just to think about this, people go, well, Republicans don't care about people; they just care about money. And oh, the job numbers are great. Think about it. People that are that are more employed, they're be able to feed their families, to be able to with a better economy, with less taxes, be able to buy that car, be able to spend a little extra at the grocery store, not have to skimp on by till the next paycheck to paycheck is what we saw during the Obama years and the increase during the Obama years of food stamps and government assistance programs. They want you to be subservient to the government. That's the ultimate goal of the Democrat Party. And the more people on government, the bigger government is, and the lesser the freedom you have. And you see, and I always, I always use this example. It's probably like a broken record player, but I say, you like going to the DMV? No, <laughs> I don't like going to the DMV personally, um, unless you really enjoy that. That's how government works. Government's not something that is meant to move fast. And I know people go, our government, man, we got to wait all this time. I'm like, it's done like that on purpose, right? Not to this partisan partisanship extreme, of course, but it was made in that way so that we didn't have to. We don't want these policies to be passed in quickly. We saw with what happened with the health care bill and Obamacare. Oh, let's just sign it. Thousands and thousands of pages that we don't even know. And then all of a sudden we're we have to choose our to either pay a fine or take this poor, poor quality of healthcare instead of privatizing and giving people options and being upfront. And Trump's attacked big pharma now, and all of a sudden big pharma's like, oh what? And now these big pharma commercials are coming out attacking Trump because they're losing money. They can't raise these these things for basic necessities. I know people that were paying a thousand dollars a month for prescription. I know that, and people were affected because they lost their health care during that crisis. So it's a big thing, and I think that's a big issue. I think Donald Trump is tackling right now, and the big pharma was a big one. Mm-hmm. And I think he's standing up for all Americans. It's literally what he has done, and literally what he's running on. It's literally promises made, promises kept. Yep. He's results oriented. It's not like empathy. We feel, yes, it's it's good. It's like you need to have that, be able to go and empathize with people, but at the same time, people want results. People want more money. People want a better life for their family. So I think that's... <laughs> yeah, no, really well said. All right, next clip from Mike Pops. Soon we will come to a time for choosing. Joe Biden has referred to himself as a transition candidate. And many were asking, transition to what? But last week, Democrats didn't talk very much about their agenda. And if I were them, I wouldn't either. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a Mike Pence joke. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Pence told a joke. Oh, that was was pretty good. I I thought it was really good and it was really clever. Yes. I really like that from from Mike Pence because it's like people go, oh, yeah, Mike Pence. Right. This boring old, uh, you know, like government official, right? But uh, I, I appreciate the sense of humor, and uh, and obviously he's correct. Yep. And then to close his speech, this is what I thought. Oh my gosh, it it was very touching the way he ended the speech, and here it is. My fellow Americans, we're going through a time of testing. 
But if you look through the fog of these challenging times, you will see. Our flag is still there today. Right there, our flag, our proud American flag, the freedom, the liberty. Yeah, um, you know, this is uh, right away, and, and I actually, I hadn't listened to his speech before, so, uh, you know, th this is part of your uh, your clickbaity title, Chandler Maciel reacts to the clip from the, <laughs> uh, from the RNC. Um, right away, what that makes me think of is uh, the Star Spangled Banner, uh, you know, uh, this uh, this flag that's still waving, uh, you know, despite despite all the all the hardships that both that we've brought upon ourselves, that uh, you know, foreign adversaries have brought on us, that uh, foreign uh, substances like like this virus have uh, um, have brought to us, the American flag still flies. It still flies in the fog, like uh, like Mike Pence was saying. Um, beautiful image. And uh, certainly something we can all uh, um, all embrace. Uh, I think you know, just in the, for the sake of time, we should move on uh, to the last day, unless you want to make any more notes on on day three. No, I think we got to go to the land of greatness. What we've been building up to on the show so far in the RNC. Great, great, yes, <laughs> great indeed. I know I always love Chandler and his impressions that he does of some of the things. You got always, you got always good to do the bread lines one. That one's always the, the best one, I think, in my opinion. The, can't break this out though when we're talking about the Republicans. Exactly, we'll, we'll, we'll pull that up later. Yes, so it, it will come back out though. So I thought of all people, I thought this was very good for day four. Dana White, UFC, Chandler. I know really liked this speech in particular. I, know he I told did, me yeah. Beforehand, and I just love it. So this one's gonna be about a minute and a half. I know it's a little longer, but this is this is a really good one, and he really gets in depth into it and. And like people don't know, it's like the UFC was one of the first sports organizations to be back during COVID-19. So we're going to play Dana White. And if you don't know, uh, I think he's what the CEO of the UFC or he's, yes. uh, he's the president, some, president of the UFC, yes. I believe. So here we go. He did it once. And I'm telling you right now, he will do it again. Mm. And remember, President Trump may be the only president in modern times who has actually done everything he said he would do during his campaign. There's this quote that I love from Ronald Reagan, where he said, there isn't any problem we can't solve if government will give us the facts, tell us what needs to be done, then get out of the way and let us have at it. And what that means to me is, as Americans, we work hard to overcome adversity, and we face the tough times head on, irrespective of your gender, race, religion, or sexual orientation, what unites us as a nation is freedom, equality, and opportunity. That's what it means to be an American. Ladies and gentlemen, let's reelect President Trump. Let's figure out what the problems are and continue to find solutions to those problems. Then let's get to work. I'd like to close with this. While it's critically important to reelect President Trump, this pandemic has also taught us to be very, very careful who you select as your next governor, senator, congressperson, Amen. and mayor. Yeah. It is so important to vote. And don't think that your vote doesn't matter, because to be honest with you, 
It has never mattered more than it does right now. Thank you, and have a great evening, America. Man, talk about truth and the finest, like we are seeing it here in California. Gavin Newsom, Emperor Newsom, um, Gruesome Newsom, whatever you want to call him. Um, and I think he makes a great point. It's like, government, hey, what's the problem? Okay, let's have at it. Let's have at it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's literally give us the facts, like Reagan was saying, and let's get after it. What, I know Dana White, I think that, that really pumped you up here. I want to. It did. And this was one of the, the highest energy moments of, of uh, the DNC that I listened to. Oh, the um, DNC? Or, sorry, sorry. Thank you. Good, good, good catch. Uh, the RNC. Sorry, they uh, they should have picked uh, different sounding names. Um, but yeah, uh, Dana's speech was was awesome. Uh, it, high energy. It, he he hit on some of the points that I I think resonate with the common American so much more than uh, some of these like uh, you know more intellectual, if you will, uh, political speeches uh, that you know maybe are saying the right things, but not in the, the right way to a lot of Americans. Um, what, uh, what Dana White said there is, I, I, in my opinion, the, the right things in the right way to so many Americans. And, and I really hope that that speech in particular gets shared around a lot and that people see that, um, that sort of, uh, that passion, that belief in the uh, the the possibility for our nation uh with four more years under trump um and, and that idea that your vote matters you know we uh in california here we have this sense that oh we're republicans our vote doesn't matter like we're My just vote gonna doesn't matter <laughs> yeah right that you hear it so much from from uh, uh um, republican americans please if you if you are politically informed and you uh, uh you have these uh, these beliefs politically, even if you think it won't matter, make your voice heard uh, with your vote. Um, and uh, that's that's the most powerful thing you can do. So um, really like that. Um, on next to uh, to Ben Carson's speech, and I'm a Ben Carson fan. I know he's uh, very soft-spoken, but he's got this strong sense of, of uh our constitution, and uh, I think he's a, a true conservative in every sense of the word. Matt, you want yeah. to take it away? And I'm, as you alluded to earlier, America, the beacon of hope. Yes. And he does that here in this speech. I think you're going to love it, Ben Carson. I know a lot of people like don't like Ben Carson, but um, on, a, on a scale of Guilfoyle to Ben Carson, that's kind of where I'd do the speeches, at least <laughs> in the way it was articulated. Yep. Um, but here we go, Ben Carson. The vision of a shining city upon a hill came from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. America is that shiny city. We are the beacon of hope for the world. At this moment in time, President Donald Trump is the man with the courage, the vision, and the ability to keep it shining brightly. And, and you know, that's in contrast with, um, uh, um, Joe Biden's speech, right, where he's saying that, oh, Trump's these forces of darkness, I'm the forces of light. Um, I think what Ben Carson sets up there that it's not Trump that's the the source of light, but he's the the one who's helping America uh, remain the source of light. Uh, America herself, right? It's not it, it's not about this individual. Um, I think in in a way, uh, what the media largely uh, has done. Is they've made it all about all about Trump, 
and the person who's going to beat him has to be all about that person, right? Or, or maybe they have to be all about Trump. Um, what Trump does, and, and this is what I said earlier, and, and uh, you know, this is what we were talking about earlier, um, he, he helps illuminate this already great America. Um, and, and, and he's been making it great again, and, and, uh, and he's, yeah, really had those, uh, he's kept those campaign promises. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on, on Ben Carson's speech there? I, I think you said it all there, and, and it is the beacon of hope. It is the American experiment that we have to continue generation to generation. We, it's not something that's given and passed down. It's something we have to continue to fight for each and every day. And I think, like, we always go back to the Matt Chan show, and literally me and Chandler sitting in the coffee shop at FPU just having these conversations to going, in January of this year, saying, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk politics because these things need to be talked about because conservatives have been quiet for so long. And we do have your Ben Shapiro's. We don't have all our Ben Shapiro's. Like, there, we need to be an army of conservatives that are willing to go out and say, we're gonna, we love our country, we're going to fight for our country, and we're not going to be silent no more. And I think Ben Carson says it right there. Mm-hmm. We are the beacon of hope. The la- that shining city on the hill, that is us. And, and I think we have to go into that. So we're going to go into the closing part of it. I think this is the big hurrah, the last part of it. And it's Ivanka. And this is, she's going to speak right before her father. The most anticipated part of the whole RNC is Donald Trump speaking and all of this buildup and all of the stories. I don't want to just like understate how well this convention, and there's some stories that I still have to go back and look at because there's so many great stories and so many things that were put into the making of this RNC that weren't seeing like the naturalization of citizens here in this country and seeing them and going through that process. There was so many heart, like, it was, it was, there was, I just, there was so much love and just energy into this convention that were put in and signed some of the clips and some of these not even speeches. And those things are just sometimes missed. And those are what make, what made this convention, I think, is the stories of the people, not the intellectuals. We know our people can go up and those are your fighters. Those are our future. That's our bench. That's our political bench. Like to think about what do the Democrats have? Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. These are the, the leader, squad. The squad. But most most Americans, I would have to say, don't agree with what the squad stands for. So that's your that's your bench. But you look at over the people. You got your Matt Gates. You got all these. You got your Tim Scotts. You got these people that are ready to fight for the country. Okay, Ivanka leading into Donald Trump, and this and this is one of the quotes that I think really, really, I think just collectively brings in the mm-hmm. Donald Trump administration. In a long time, we have a president who has called out Washington's hypocrisy and they hate him for it. Dad, people attack you for being unconventional, but I love you for being real and I respect you for being effective. Our president refuses to surrender his beliefs to score point with the political elite. To my father, you are the elite. You are the only people he cares about scoring points with. If these problems were easy to solve, previous presidents would have done so. But you don't achieve different results by doing things the same way. Washington has not changed Donald Trump. Donald Trump has changed Washington. And there's your big applause line. And and, and that is Donald Trump. Yep. 
that is, if we just needed to cut the show right there, that's Donald Trump for you. The RNC encompassed all of that. He says, you are the elite. You are the people. When I saw Donald Trump speak in Arizona in person, and he goes, I'm fighting for you, the American people, the students, these future generations, because Donald Trump's not going to see that at some point. Like, Donald Trump's not going to be here one day. He's not going to be president forever, as some people think he's going to be this, this end of America. No, he's fighting so we have that next hundred years of American greatness, yeah. the land of greatness, the land of opportunity, the land of freedom. And now we're going to get into the big one that everybody's been waiting for. It's going to be huge, right? No. So huge. So, and I think this is where I think Donald Trump shines. I want to talk. We have a few clips from him, and it's really good. He talks about the founding of America in the first parts, the fight against COVID-19, the invisible enemy, the threat of socialism, the jobs overseas, um, and bringing those back, the manufacturing jobs that Obama said were never going to return. And we have some clips that are going to talk about some of these different things. And and we're going to show just kind of different time parts of the speech. Like The speech was very long. A lot of people are like, very different. It was very calm-tempered, I would say. Right, right, Chan? Yeah, a, a, bit, a bit of a mix between like a, uh, a campaign speech and a State of the Union address. I thought it was good. It was long. You know, we've gone really long on this podcast, but... Donald Trump went really long on that speech. Uh, I watched the whole thing, enjoyed it. I was glued to my seat. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's get All into right. it. Here's the first clip. In a new term as president, we will again build the greatest economy in history, quickly returning to full employment, soaring incomes, and record prosperity. We will defend America against all threats and protect America against all dangers. We will lead America into new frontiers of ambition and discovery, and we will reach for new heights of national achievement. We will rekindle new faith in our values, new pride in our history, and a new spirit of unity that can only be realized through love for our great country. Because we understand that America is not a land cloaked in darkness. America is the torch that enlightens the entire world. Wow. And we were just talking about it with Ben Carson, mm -hmm. Beacon of Hope, the light on the, the shining city on the hill. That's America. What were your thoughts on that, Chan? So what he's doing here is he's drawing that distinction between uh, two different views of America. You have the view of America that was started in 1776 with these ideals of freedom and these ideals of, of equality and that all men are created equal. Um, and, and that's the America that Trump believes in. That's the America that conservatives and Republicans believe in. That's even the America that most traditional liberals that these people who are sort of um, you know uh, reluctantly leaving the left because they agree with most uh, of like their their economic and international type uh, uh, ideas but not with their view of America not with the Democrat view of America anymore um, the other view of America is that 1619 uh, view that America began when slaves were brought here and that um, we are a, a nation rooted in slavery and in injustice, 
and in mistreatment of all these people and, and that that's who America is. Um, and again, we won't deny those things. America has has gone through some dark times. We've, uh, we've as a nation, committed some terrible injustices. Um, but what makes America great is that we've, we've been able to evolve from there, that we've gotten better. Um, you know, we haven't been this nation that's just been stuck in these terrible um, practices and, and injustices. Instead, we've uh, led the way um, for the global community of what it looks like to, um, to treat people fairly, to have uh, financial systems that allow everybody to, uh, to rise with hard work and, and, uh, and diligence. Um, so uh, that America is this, it, it's again, America is the light. It's not Donald Trump is the light. America is the light. But Donald Trump is the one who's saying it. Republicans are the one who's saying it. The Democrats will not say that America is great. They won't say that, that what America stands for, our freedoms, our values, our Judeo-Christian values, uh, that those are great. Instead, they say that America is evil. But if you elect us, we'll make it kind of okay. Yeah, uh, And that kind of goes into the next, uh, yeah. next poll clip that I pulled here. Here's Donald Trump talking about the two parties. Thank you. At no time before have voters faced a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas. This election will decide whether we save the American dream or whether we allow a socialist agenda to demolish our cherished destiny. And there it is right there. It's we have two countries. And as I've said before, it's do we want to elect freedom or do we want to elect tyranny? We have the power. And the thing is, we have a chance to either vote for prosperity for America or we can vote to pretty much the demise, the demise of America. Literally, we can vote ourselves into oppression under a authoritarian regime. And I don't want to see that. And we nope. see how that functions, and we see the history in the 20th century, the hundreds of millions, or not the hundreds of millions, but 100 million plus deaths that occurred under Mao, under Stalin, under in, in Cuba, and all these tyrannical regimes. Like, this is, we're voting for this right now. This is... And they always say it every election cycle, this is the biggest election, and elections have consequences. No, this, this election, I think, is the most important, at least in our lifetime, for hands down, but in most people's lifetimes, this is, this is a, a crossroads that we're going to have right here. It's, it's uh, two different pictures that, you, that Chandler talked about and painted. And I thought this was one of, the, one of the better, I think, quotes, or at least I think one of the best quotes of the night. And in, it's, I just think it was kind of spot on for, for, the, for the moment. Um, let's see, I think it's this one right here. National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's nothing to add to that. Uh, and, and the answer, of course, is that they cannot. They can't lead our country. They want to destroy it. Do um, you have any thoughts on that before we move on? I, I think he's, like you said, you said it. He asked that simple question of, do you, it's like, 
yeah, do you, who do you want? It's like, you have the Democrats who constantly tear down our country and don't want, they literally want to tear up the Constitution. They want to tear up the Declaration of Independence. They might not be, I think it's more open now than ever before, but now they're going to try to promote Joe Biden as this person that's going to be the leader for tomorrow. I'm like, no, Joe Biden is not that leader. I'm sorry. You can try to prop him up at like weekends at Bernie's, but it's it's not it's he's not that leader that they're trying to portray. They're literally it's like Joe Biden of all people. Really, that's the best that you could come up with. And and people have talked about it. it's going to be the puppet for China. And and I think that one of the better parts, of the another good part of the speech that I thought was funny is yeah, Joe Biden would go over to China and hug and give him some kisses. And Trump did the little kissy face during the speech. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and it goes into our next thing, and it's about China and and stop having them manufacture our different drugs and stuff that for the medical field and stuff. And let's stop this reliance on China. And here's yep. the clip here. To me, one of the most beautiful buildings anywhere in the world, and it's not a building, it's a home, as far as I'm concerned. Not even a house, it's a home. Mm. It's a wonderful place with an incredible history. But it's all because of you. Together, we will write the next chapter of the great American story. Over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world. We will expand opportunity zones. Thank you, Tim Scott. Bring home our medical supply chains, and we will end our resilience. For bad things, we will go right after China. We will not and he goes into it and talks about why we need to stop this reliance on China and why we need to bring our jobs back home because we have the capacity to do it and we keep exporting all these jobs and Donald Trump has brought these manufacturing jobs back. He's bringing jobs back to our communities and it's going to help us get us into, like I said before, the next 100 years of American greatness and it, and it starts at home. And I think people for many years are like, why are we in all these foreign wars why are we involved in all these countries why are we paying millions of dollars to build schools roads and bridges in the middle east and then see it blown up and then redone again why are we doing that there's a, there you got hotels that are built that are that they were going to use for different different things and we see them have to be protected we're, we have soldiers overseas that don't have to be there but we continue and that's the thing is donald trump as the first president in modern american history not to be engaged in any foreign conflicts. He goes in and he has, and he's right to the point. It's like al-Baghdadi, let's go get al-Baghdadi. Soleimani, let's go take these heads of these operations out. And then we're not going to jump into another war. So it's, it's one of the big things. And I think we just got to close up the show with Donald Trump's closing remarks um, from the speech and just kind of highlight on pretty much what he aspires in his second term. And I think Chandler said it best is it was kind of like a State of the Union address in many mm -hmm. ways because I've seen a lot of Donald Trump speeches in the last three and a half years. And this one I felt was very encompassed everything. And, and it, you didn't even know when he was on and off the teleprompter. He was just very calm and very like mild mannered. And, and think about it. People are like, oh, well, he was low energy. But like, well, if you would have been up like a campaign speech, you would have gone, oh, man, whoa, Trump. So yeah. he can't win in any other situation. The media would have hated him either way for it. 
even Fox News and everybody, even Joe Biden last week when he did his speech, even Fox News was like, oh my gosh, Joe Biden, oh man, whoa, what a speech. He's um, alive. Yeah, Chris Wallace was like hyping it up. I'm like, huh. And then, of course, it's just easy to bash, bash Trump. I and mean, we've seen it every day. I'm not surprised. So here's the closing remarks to finish up Trump's, I think, phenomenal speech long, but I think it needed to happen. So here it is. For America, nothing is impossible. Over the next four years, we will prove worthy of this magnificent legacy. We will reach stunning new heights, and we will show that the world, for America, there is a dream, and it is not beyond your reach. Together, we are unstoppable. Together, we are unbeatable, because together, we are the proud citizens of the United States of America. And on November 3rd, we will make America safer. We will make America stronger. We will make America prouder. And we will make America greater than ever before. I am very, very proud to be the nominee of the Republican Party. I love you all. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you. Yeah, I think that said it all right there. I think Donald Trump, you can just see the gratitude. This is the last time that he's going to do an acceptance speech for the RNC. This is kind of, it's kind of interesting because this is the last election that Donald Trump will be in. So it's quite interesting to see like from his RNT speech from last year, I was watching it before the convention and it was very energetic. It was very passionate. Of course, you got people, you're feeding off of people. But this one was like very cool and collective. It's like, we got this. This is what this is where we're going. And it was clearly articulated. He defended his points. He did it. I think Donald Trump, with how much he takes a beating every day in the media, this was his chance to shine. People there and just to be able to go, this is what we've done. This is where we're going. He said that we're going to get a woman on the moon. That's the next big thing. We're aspiring to the next big thing as Americans, and I cannot wait to see what another four years of Donald Trump does. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, it, it was a well-delivered speech, uh, very presidential. You know, like he's been accused of being not like presidential enough, whatever that means. Um, but whatever it means, he was it today. He was very presidential, um, very. Uh, um, very profound and and yeah he he crushed it um yeah we're, we're coming up right here on a, right about 100 minutes of the show so we'll wrap things up here shortly um yeah go go and watch if any of these speeches that we covered uh, caught your attention go watch them uh you know i i don't think especially like uh, kim clasics uh um, ben carson's and, and of course uh, president trump's you know, go go watch those speeches if you have any interest. Do you want to plug any others uh, that you really I, think people I, I should? I thought some really good ones were Governor of South Dakota that didn't shut, shut down her state. Uh, Christy Nome was a really good one. Dan Crenshaw was really excellent. Um, Karen Pence also did one. Kellyanne Conway. Lou Holtz did one. Jack Brewer, if you get a chance, Jack Brewer. I wish we had some more time. I'd mm -hmm. love to cover his. His is like a full, a full watch. I know we did that with Abby Johnson. I think it was just like one of those ones you have to watch. You just... In such a short time, he just covered so much. Yep. Um, Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley, I know, yeah. We didn't yep. cover her per se, but I think this the show, we, we covered and highlighted, I think, 
who we thought were big heroes or people that we were like, yes, that were talking to the points of the president. And this is our full length Matt Chan show that we've ever done. This is like the longest one we've ever done. But I think it was necessary because we are trying to cover four days all in one, a whole week of school and everything we've done. And it's just another week just fighting for that American dream to have the opportunities that we have in this country. We've talked about it over and over. We've read the Declaration of Independence on this show. We've we've done interviews with so many great people, and that's what we say across the food and plane. And just be able, we have people that are listening to the show all across the world. We have, I think, 15 different countries that listen to our show. We have people listening to us here locally and abroad. And I just thank you guys for all the support. Um, it means a lot, and it really touches my heart. It's very humbling to have that opportunity to do this show each and every week with Chan the Man. Yeah, Matt, it's uh, my pleasure. Uh, you know, you talked about why we started this, and yes, it is to to get to share some of our thoughts and opinions uh, with the world, but it's also because we enjoy sitting down with each other and talking politics. You know, spending uh, close to two hours here is nothing compared to some of the conversations we had, uh, you know, off air. So um, I really enjoy doing this. Uh, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. You're a super fan. Um, I'm assuming you've already subscribed and uh, and left a five star review if you've uh, listened to our 40 minutes of us. So thank you so much. And until next time, this is the Matt Chan Show.